Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the eighth episode of For Future Reference. I'm Ambar Calvillo Rivera. And I'm Tori Taylor. This podcast is all about creating a space to have real candid conversations about the role that people play in our lives, especially the ones who lift us up in professional and personal ways and how they make up the support structure in our lives. It's advice, it's food for thought that you can use now or just keep around for future reference. Tori Taylor, I think our episode today is going to be juicy. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. We all think that we give the best advice ever. You know, Mm. when people come up to us, we think we give the best advice. And so when we share our wisdom and someone doesn't take it, Mm. Mm. What does that mean? How does That's it feel? The tea. <laughs> <laughs> that is the tea. Oh, I'm so glad we're talking about this today. It is it's a personal topic to me because there have actually been a few times where I have taken bad advice from well-meaning people and times when I've even taken that advice knowing that it probably wasn't the right thing for me but might have lacked the confidence at the time to trust my gut or push Mm. back. You know, I think about one specific example is when I was younger, so many people encouraged me to go to graduate school. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, when I was in college, they were like, all right, you're going to go to college, then you're going to go to graduate school, then you're going to get a job. And, you know, they gave me this advice without totally understanding what that would mean for my career, what I wanted, my general trajectory. And I didn't know if I actually needed a graduate degree at the time that I was getting all this advice to move my career forward. And I took their advice and allowed myself to move down a path that was really based more on other people's expectations Um. and what they thought was best for me Mm -hmm. and all their hopes and dreams for me, which were great. I'm glad they were invested, but it wasn't exactly what I knew to be true that was best for me and my career path. So I ended up going to graduate school and super proud to have a master's degree (laughs) to this day. It's it's in my office at home in a box in the closet. (laughs) But, you know, it it was a great degree from a great school, but did it propel my career? Not really. Do I make more money because I have that degree? Um, Not at all. And I'm super salty about it. Uh, Was graduate school a cool experience? Like, yeah, I guess for, you know, how much I paid for it. Right, right, right. (laughs) You paid for a cool experience. Yeah, it was a very expensive experience. And so now when people ask me if, if they should go to graduate school, oh my gosh, I jump that question so fast because I think there are so many people that are grappling with this decision and there's so much advice out there, but graduate school is such a specific decision that is so, it's so much based on your career trajectory and if you need that degree and what's best for you. And 
Um, you know, I always just lay out a million and one reasons why and why not young people should go to graduate school that I talk to now so they can avoid making the mistakes that I did when I was younger and just kind of taking some of this generalized advice from well-meaning folks. And it might not have actually been the right thing for me at the right time. <laughs> Feels like maybe they were projecting. They were projecting. Maybe. <laughs> I've definitely had times where I took advice that didn't work out in the best way for me, but I didn't actually know at the time that it was wrong. When women that I admire that are great leaders have given job opportunities or offered job opportunities that come along to me and, and, they, and their advice is pretty strong and they're like, there's no way you shouldn't take this you should mm -hmm. definitely do this or that it's a no-brainer it's uh the right thing for your career in the next move and i didn't pause enough then and, and actually think through like if that was true so mm -hmm. it's this person that i respect i admire i like their trajectory and then the opportunities seem like the right title they seem like the right salary and the company just wasn't a right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And so now I realize that even if I really respect the person who that advice is coming from and they say like, you don't have to think about it, you should really just take it, this is the right thing for you to do. I know now that I actually like for me, for it to sit well with me, I need to ask a lot more questions and I need to dig into the company more and I need to figure out if it matches my values and, and the type of mission oriented work I wanna do. So. But anyway, I wish back then I had known either way, <laughs> like, nah, that's probably not the right thing to do right away. Totally. Um, but that's on me, not on them. And I just kind of figured out how to handle it differently. Right. It, it's almost like a key learning for, I think, you and I is one, pause and think. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, absorb the information. Does it make sense? And also trust your gut and yeah. understand your reality and how to how to intake this advice but also process it in a way that fits into your world our mentors and folks around us can provide us with a million data points um stories best practices and all these great things to inform the decisions that we have to make but only you and only i mm -hmm. and only us like we're the only ones who can put all those pieces together in a way that's right for us well, let's just get into it, right? I mean, we have some really good interviews for this episode. Um, who is our first interview? Mm, let's do it. First, we chatted with Jamira Burley, who is an absolutely brilliant human rights activist and social justice champion who has led on a number of issues, including gun violence prevention, youth engagement, education reform, and workforce development. She began her journey in this work after her brother was shot and killed when she was in high school, and she has taken that tragedy into a lifetime commitment to improving the world around her. She has been recognized as a White House champion for change, Forbes 30 under 30, and I am personally really looking forward to her being president of the United States one day. So you heard it here first, folks, <laughs> but one step at a time. So for now, let's just dig into the conversation that we had with her today. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you have looked for advice throughout your career in terms of whether it was a specific inflection point about applying to college or switching jobs. You know, how have you gone about seeking guidance when you feel like you've needed it? I will say how I seek guidance is very different now than how I did in the past. Because while I still have many of those same mentors to this day, a lot of my mentors or a lot of the people that I seek advice to are peer mentors. 
um, especially other millennial women who I feel like are thinking outside the box in regards to their career trajectory that, do, that don't feel confined by the traditional institutions of power or don't feel confined by the traditional pathways of success. Um, because I, many of my friends are are so much further ahead than many of my mentors were at their age, just because of their ability to to think that it's it's all possible and why not, right? Why not ask for that that job? Why not go for that promotion? And how I seek advice is really it's kind of twofold. I mean, I I have different pockets of friends that I ask for certain advice for, depending on like the expert the level of expertise they have, the level of insight they have. Um, but I've also gotten to the point now where I've, I've learned to trust my gut. And I've also learned not to ask people about things that they don't have any aspirations themselves to do or or have any desire to go down that path, right? It's like asking a doctor, how do you fly a plane, right? They don't have any desire to do it. They don't have any expertise to do it. So you're asking about something that may not be the most relevant um, versus so for me, career-wise, I mostly stick towards asking people who are in the chosen field, um, have some insight in that career path, have worked with that organization, um, et cetera, et cetera. But um, where I take the most advice from is definitely around like self, self-care, um, mental health. Um, I'm at a point where, you know, millennials are just so much more open about talking about therapy and like, what does it mean to, to really put yourself first and how do you evaluate toxic relationships? So it, it varies per se. Tell me a little bit about how you have learned and evolved to, to trust that gut and overcome, you know, a lack of confidence or insecurities that, you know, may sometimes be in direct conflict with what that voice inside of you is telling you to do, which is probably probably the right thing at that moment. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not, it's okay. And I think that's where my confidence lies is the fact that I'm, I'm no longer afraid of rejection um, or I'm no longer afraid of things not working out because I feel like there's something to be learned. But if I'm okay in the moment with the decision that I've made, weighing everything that I know to be true or everything that I suspect to be true, I can't regret making a sound decision. But I think when many people fall victim to not trusting their gut is because they're afraid of rejection. They're afraid of failing and the good thing about the times now that no one needs to know that you failed unless you broadcast it on social media, right? Oftentimes you're the only one that knows about the rejection. The advice that I would give people is like, don't be afraid of rejection. I'm telling you now, I probably have as many rejection letters as I have acceptance letters. (laughs) One day I'm just going to write a book like Kanye and and just put all the rejection letters in it all in together. We all face rejection. We just choose to not broadcast it and Um, that's also one of the downsides and one of the beauties of creating your own narrative for the world to see. I really appreciate you, you naming the specifics of like what, what those challenges are, um, when people are really having trouble trusting that gut, because I mean, you're so right. It's so often rooted and based in fear, um, which is never a great decision-making tool. (laughs) <laughs> no, and that's which is funny because I've learned I, I started 2019 saying that I want to live my life like a white man because they walk into situations with so little fear and they oftentimes show up with so many less qualifications and so much less knowledge than women do, but they're not afraid of rejection. And to me, I'm just like, fuck it. Why not? Why? Why not? Why not see what happens? At the very least, it's a story to tell later. Going back to the folks in your life and the mentors that you've had, you know, how have you 
received advice from those folks and known, you know, when was the right time to take it and when maybe the wrong time to take that advice? How have you filtered some of that guidance that you've gotten or had an experience where, you know, you received some advice, didn't take it, and then realized that was a bad idea later, (laughs) that maybe you should have listened to that mentor a little bit more? Well, I have two examples. One where I didn't listen to my mentor and it turned out to go well. And the second one is where I didn't listen to my mentor and it went horrible. The first time is I ended up taking, I was in college and I got offered a job with the school district to work full time while still in college. And my mentor was like, don't take it. Cause she had just left that same organization was like, don't do it. You don't have the time. You should focus on school. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I got time. <laughs> I can do it. Um, and also, I was also a little offended cause I felt like she was telling me that I wasn't ready for the job. And that wasn't it at all. Like she was giving me advice from a very good place. Um, And I took the job. It went really well. It elevated the work that I did. I made some great money in college that I wish I would have known better how to um, manage. Um, But that is for a different conversation. (laughs) Um, But the second time that um, that I did not listen to my mentor that totally went haywire was um, when I decided to take a opportunity. So I was invited to. Um, participate in um, this conference that was put on by a very problematic organization that I did not know at the time. And my mentor had advised me to, to you know, to do it a little more rec- um, recon and um, investigation about the organization, what they stood for. And I was like, it didn't matter. I felt like the organization, I was, I was given a platform that I could say what I want and it didn't matter who was allowed, who was giving me that platform. And it's something that now I realize that I've also felt victim to many times where I made the assumption that by working with inside the organization or in an institution, either speaking somewhere or working officially as a job, that I'm somehow I'm opening the door for someone else. But at the same time, I'm also providing that organization or institution legitimacy to the communities in which I represent. And that it turned out to be true and for that specific event because um, they were looking to use me as propaganda around the conversation of anyone can then do it, that there's no excuses for poor people, marginalized communities to say they can't reach those same expectations. It was a reality check for me in two ways. One, I think it was a lesson I needed to learn. And two, it was like, it's hard to really know if the advice you're given is the correct advice, Right. Our mentors, our peer mentors, all have biases, um, good and bad, all have preconceived notions, baggages that they're bringing into your relationship. I think the key is to absorb all all the advice you're given and then you deciding on the pros and cons on what's going to happen if you decide to do a certain thing that either either is against or for um, the advice you were given. And if at the end of that, you are comfortable with your decision, then cool. Be okay with that. Like stand and honor that. I would rather be in a place and say that happened. I learned this and I won't do this next time. And it will better help to inform the decisions I make in the future. Mm. I feel like I should have had a chalkboard as you were saying that. Sentence. I know, right? It's like <laughs> writing Just it up it as up. a formula. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, no, I think that's, I think that's such a helpful, a helpful way to break it down and, you know, it's it's something that you're going to apply to situations throughout your life, right? You know, this that happened to you once. It will probably happen to you again. Like this, you know, not the exact all the details, but, you know, as we go through life, we have a lot of these moments that are teachable. And um, I think that's such a great framework and kind of lens to, to look at that through. And, 
You know, one last question, and we're running up on time, but one last question in terms of, you know, the work that you're doing now, it's very intersectional. You know, you are working at the intersections of a lot of different issues in a lot of different communities and a lot of work that has a lot of layers. And I'm sure, you know, as you have built the support structures around you, you're collecting a lot of great humans and a lot of great people from a lot of different spaces within that work. And, you know, is there anything specific you have learned or think is a little bit unique about how you intake information or advice um, as you work at the at the cornerstones of a lot of those intersections? And, you know, just any anything different that you think folks who are listening who may aspire to work at some of those intersections or around layered issues, um, you know, should either take away or learn from some of the experiences you've had in that work. Yeah, I I don't think it's unique. I think I observe people a lot. Like I watch their actions. I watch how they interact with people. And I am more of a show me what you mean versus tell me what you mean type person. So I'm constantly taking examples from the field. And I've taken advice from 15-year-old kids in, in middle school, right? I don't put an age on expertise. I don't also put like an expertise on... Um, how much education someone has, how much money they have. I think you can learn something. We can all learn something from each other. And so for me, my unique way in which I kind of gather information and knowledge is recognizing that we all have something to share and share with each other and um, provide to each other that oftentimes comes from the most unexpected places and spaces. And, Mm. um, And also there's something to be learned from people who who you may not always see eye to eye with, right? Everyone um, is experiencing very unique things that are unique to their situation, um, but how they respond, how they show up for people either can help you to determine how you want to respond or how you don't want to respond or show up for people. So it's all about um, consuming and watching people around you and how they live their lives and not just what they say and how they say they live their lives. Mm, Yeah. Totally, totally. And the final question that we ask, if you were having a drink or coffee with one of your mentors this week, what is a challenge or a specific issue that you would be bringing to them on something that you're dealing with in your career or your personal life right now? (laughs) Um, I think two questions I would probably, if it was my mentor, Donna, um, two questions I would probably have for her or inquire about is, You know, I had a quarter life crisis at 25. (laughs) I think many of us have, but I also find myself um, and I don't know if this is unique to us, like our generation, but I also find myself at 31 having another kind of like crisis um, and reevaluating who I am and how I show up for the work. I would probably inquire about that is like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Should I be reevaluating what spaces and places I occupy? And the second one I would inquire about is dating as a 31-year-old in this weird-ass world with weird-ass people, I would ask that. And how did she navigate being successful while also trying to date? Wow. Uh, Okay, Donna, um, if you're listening... I'm going to send you've her got, the link. <laughs> yeah, you've got some homework. Um, you know, easy questions. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for, for all of these incredible pieces of advice and just nuggets about your own career and your own story and your own pathway. Thanks for all of that. I feel like I learned a, a few things too. 
Our second interview was with Ivana Cancela. She's representing the 10th district in the Nevada Senate since 2016, and she was the first Latina to serve in the Nevada Senate. She has a strong background of service, having worked with the Culinary Workers Union and the Immigrant Workers Citizenship Project. She does a lot for her community, and she's also going to school right now, which is amazing and incredible. And I can't wait for you to listen into our conversation with her. So how do you think mentors have played a role in your life so far? I think mentors have been the reason that I have taken opportunities that I probably wouldn't have thought about otherwise or wouldn't have felt like I could do otherwise. Um, I think of mentors as door openers in that they they do the job of helping us see ourselves and helping us see situations in a different light and then leave it in our hands to make the decision about whether what we want to do with that information. And for me, it's been mentors that have pushed me to do more, to be more, to try more. And um, I, I'm really grateful to have had good mentors that have been a part of my life. That's amazing. Well, and one of those things is being able to get advice that you wouldn't otherwise um, maybe like have access to in your current life, right? And one of the things that I'm curious about unpacking is this piece of taking advice from people that you respect and deciding at some point in your life to either take it or leave it. And you kind of deciphering what's best for you in that moment. And that happens as we mature and we kind of go on. But I'm curious um, for you, have you ever had an experience where you took advice um, because you respected that person, you trusted that person, and maybe you regretted it later? I don't know that regret is the right word because I, I really believe that every decision I've made has gotten me to where I'm at and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I have ignored advice and ended up in a less than desirable situation. Um, I was told by someone I really respect that I should think about leaving Las Vegas and that I should really start thinking about a career in DC and what that could look like. And I got really excited about it. And I wasted a lot of time dreaming about getting to DC and what that could look like and did not spend time investing in my day-to-day -day life in Las Vegas. And it left me feeling really empty when I realized going to DC was not the right move because I hadn't been building my community. I hadn't been present for months. It felt like um, when you're at the movie theater and you buy popcorn and then all of a sudden you're at the bottom of the popcorn bag and you didn't even realize that you had gotten through halfway. That's what my life felt like. And it wasn't because it was necessarily bad advice. It was good advice based on what the person knew, but really bad advice for where I was at in my life. Hmm. You know, once you realize that that happened, how how did that then impact how you took decisions, how you made decisions, or how you took advice from your mentors later? It let me know that a mentoring relationship isn't one-sided and that I have to give just as much to the relationship as I want out of it. So if I want a mentor to really be helpful and to really be a thought partner with me, then I have to make sure that they have all the information because they can only make 
recommendations, give advice based on what I tell them. So if all I'm doing is complaining about life in Las Vegas being hard or about missing my family, then of course they're going to gear advice about leaving Las Vegas. But if I paint a fuller picture about the opportunities and the things that I'm doing, then maybe that's not the direction that they would have gone in. Um, and so it, it has changed the way that I approach mentors and that I'm very clear about what I want out of the relationship. And I'm very clear in sharing as much information as possible so that the two of us together can work in partnership to really figure out a solution and that they give the most informed advice. Yeah, well, actually, one thing that I'm curious about, and I think that sometimes who your mentor is really impacts the type of advice they're going to give and then how you end up deciphering it and, and basically take it. And what I mean by that is I have, for example, myself had um, more non-Latina young mentors, which is, you know, my identities, um, than I have had those. And so anytime I get, you know, different advice, I also have to get it from the lens of like, okay, this is a white man who is uh, a mentor, right? And how he moves through the world and perceives things is going to be different. So his advice might be different if I act on it, or maybe it is what I should do because other, you know, I wouldn't think through that lens. And so I'm curious about the, the folks, you know, if you have anecdotes of one, like how your mentors currently, you know, have been or, or are in their identities. And if you think that's sort of had any impact on your career. I'm in a very similar boat in that none of my, I guess, most deep mentoring relationships have been with a young Latina woman. Most of my mentoring relationships have been with older white men. And I point to three older white men who were change agents in my life in a way that I don't know, it's these people who you can never repay for what they've done for you. And they may not see it as a big deal, but in your life, it was a game changer. One of them was my college debate coach. His name was Larry Scott Dethridge, and um, it was called The Duck because he just had this character about him. And it was because of him that I believed it was possible to go to Northwestern University because he recruited me to debate there. And he took me under his wing. And even when I stopped debating, he kept me as a mentee and up until his death, really um, infused a sense of confidence in me that I didn't realize was possible. The second is now a county commissioner. He was a state senator when we first met. His name's Tick Segerbloom. He's here in Nevada. And it's because of him that I thought about being in office because he started a rumor a year before I was even thinking about thinking about being in office that I should be in office and that he was going to support me no matter what. And at every point in my career, he's been a thought partner in saying, dream bigger, do more. You're Ivana, you're awesome, and has been such a cheerleader. And then the third is Dee Taylor, who's now the president of Unite Here, uh, an international hospitality workers union. He gave me my first job after uh, working on a political campaign right out of college and has taught me so much about what it means to fight for others, fight with others, to really walk the walk and talk the talk, and has been instrumental in teaching me what it means to live a life that's rooted in values, that fights for social justice, and um, is someone I admire and respect tremendously. So they're all older white men, but they have been essential in getting me to where I'm at today, and they're all folks that I 
think about often as I'm making decisions. And when these folks were giving you advice, did you have that experience um, where you had to think about like the lens that they were giving it through and how you either had to adjust it as a reality of a young Latina woman navigating these spaces or did actually serve it in, in sort of like the opposite, which was that you didn't think of it in that lens and therefore you, you were able to enter spaces that you actually wouldn't have perhaps. Generally, I think young women of color especially do this where we think every box has to be checked before we can take a step forward. Like it has to be the right timing. Our family has to approve. It has to be in the right place. It has to make sense. We have to know what it looks like. All of these prescriptions that may or may not be necessary before you make a decision and having mentors that didn't have the same, I want to call them blockages because that's what they felt like. They were blockades really in uh, me moving forward was so helpful because they got me out of that box and made me realize things don't have to be perfect. I don't have to check every box to move forward. And sometimes when they were really pushing me, I would use the, well, you're an older white man. I'm a young Latina woman as a way to say you're wrong. I can't do that. Uh, And almost like a, a defense mechanism. And I don't think that was a healthy way to approach their advice or feedback, but it led to me really growing and reflecting on, well, why am I doing that? Why do I think I can't do this as a young Latina woman? What does that say about me? What growth do I need to make to move forward? Um, And overall was a really good exercise in self-love in a lot of ways. I feel like every time, like when people say stuff like that, I feel like you're talking right to me. And I'm always like, yes, (laughs) thank you for the reminder. Um, All right. And so our closing pod questions that we that we ask all of our guests is if you were going to coffee with a mentor this week, what would you want to ask them? What's something that you're dealing with in your career right now? We're in a very interesting place in my career because I'm about to transition out of law school, out of my nonprofit work, and into a new chapter of my life. I will finish law school next May and start and take the bar next July, and then it's kind of a blank page. So I've actually, I made a list, I met, I think, 34 different uh, people that I've been meeting with in what I would call mentoring light, and I've told them exactly the situation I'm in. And I've said, if you were in my shoes, what are three things that you would be doing so that when I'm done with law school and you would theoretically be done with law school, you made the best decision possible. Um, And it's created some really great conversation. I love that one. Your mentoring light. (laughs) I call them loose, loose networks. You know, those people folks, I love that. It's a, I love that program. And then the just three simple questions, you know, what are, or what are the three things you would do? I love that. And it also gives you a really good, consistent uh, data <laughs> to, exactly. to compare. Totally. Totally. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I I know I'm going to take away that with me as a helpful nugget as, you know, I, I chat to folks that I care about that are in my life. So um, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Ugh, there was so much packed into these two interviews. I feel like I want to listen to all of this on repeat so it fully sets into my mm-hmm. brain <laughs> and I memorize everything. You know, a few things I'm taking away. One, I, I still can't get over how Ivana was in law school and ran for office. I, I also loved part of Jamira's interview about 
how it's so important to ask and intake advice based on the context of the person who is giving that advice. The other thing I'm taking away, how we can benefit from diverse mentors that don't look like us or the same gender even, and that as we choose the people that we ask advice from, we should consider where they're coming from, what their biases are, what their interests are, what their paths have been, and then make the best decision for you. But I think Ivana talked about you know, the male figures in her life who gave mm-hmm. her a lot of really good, valuable advice. And I've had one, you know, outside of like my dad giving really amazing advice my whole life, I've, I've had one uh, male mentor. Mm-hmm. And when I first started and I started to see him as a mentor, I thought like, oh, how, I wonder how this is going to work because how we interact with the world is really different. But I've gotten the most in a lot of ways from that relationship. And so it reminded me of the things Ivana was saying. And so I think as long as you take all of those things into consideration, you can arrive at the best decisions for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, okay, so much to take away this week. Yes. And looking forward to next week, we are talking to another round of awesome women about how to make the most out of good mentor that you want to hang on to while also valuing their time and their support. Yeah, well, thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to uh, stick around the podcast if you haven't already by subscribing so you get the little updates every time we drop a new episode every week. And you know what? While you're in your email, just drop us a line. Just Uh, do it. Just do it. You're already (laughs) there. You're probably on your email right now. Pod at wondermedianetwork.com. We can't wait to hear from you. So we hope today helped either for now or for future reference. Talk Talk to you you next week. week. Bye. For Future Reference is a Wonder Media Network original show. What do Riz Ahmed, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tig Nataro, Victoria Beckham, Hosier, and Raza Aslan all have in common? They are all guests this season on an all-new podcast from Limonada Media, As Me with Sinead. Activist, academic, TED talker, Vogue cover model, Sinead, and the first ever little person to be dressed by Gucci for the Met Ball, Burke, helps us understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes by asking them what it's like to be them. I personally never knew I had so much in common with a Spice Girl (laughs) or shared imposter syndrome with Riz Ahmed. Every chat is absolutely fascinating. Subscribe now to Ask Me with Sinead wherever you get your podcasts.